WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Father Campbell back for another Marian Hour. We're at the end of January. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure everyone in the Chicago, northern Illinois, northern Indiana, southern Michigan, and southern and mid-Wisconsin areas knows that it is cold outside. Yes, um, I think we had our coldest night last night. Um, got down to about six below zero in Kenosha, where I'm from. And, well, I'm happy to be with you here today on this cold winter's day. At least it's sunny. And I'm going to ask you to join me in my favorite Marian prayer to start this Marian hour, the Memorare, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember... O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we are in the tail end of the month of January, and <clears throat> next week will be in February. And February 2nd, there is a, a great feast, and... It, it goes by a couple of different names, okay? One of those names is, I'm going to ask Angela, because she knows at least one of those names of the feast. What is next Tuesday, February 2nd? It is the presentation yes, the of the child Jesus in the temple. Correct, Angela. Uh, I can never stump Angela. <laughs> I don't know it's, about that. It's difficult. Yeah. But uh, yes, it's the presentation of the baby Jesus in the temple, and... Why is it February 2nd? Do you know? Is it 40 days? 40 days. After. After the birth of, of Christ. Christ. Yeah. But it's also known as the Feast of the uh, Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary because under Mosaic Law, not only did you have to present your son in the temple, the firstborn, but also the, the mother of the child had to undergo a purification rite and so it's it's known under both titles. And, um, well, we're in the season, you could say the Christmas season, the, the season of Epiphany after, after Christmas, uh, it comes to an end on February 2nd, that 40-day period. And I'm going to start out talking today before I speak on... 
the feast of the presentation and purification of Mary, which is also called Candlemas Day. I'll explain that a little later. But first, I'm going to talk about uh, a hymn, one of my favorite hymns. In the <coughs> tradition of the church, there are Marian hymns sung during certain seasons. And during this the season of both Advent, from the, the first Sunday of Advent, until the presentation of our Lord on February 2nd, the hymn that, the Marian hymn that the church sings, chants especially, uh, is Alma Redemptoris Mater, Loving Mother of the Redeemer. Okay. <clears throat> it's a very beautiful hymn, and I'm going to speak about it today because um, the church is, has been singing this hymn for a couple of months now, since the first Sunday of Advent, and um, it is just a, a beautiful hymn that summarizes so much of what this season is about. And I, I'm going to chant it here, okay? So if you can just listen in, you can sing along if you'd like, if you know how to chant this this hymn, okay? It goes like this. Alma Redemptoris Mater Que per via celi porta manes Et stella maris Sucure cadenti Sujure qui curat populo Tuque genuisti Natura mirante Tuum sanctum genitorem, Virgo prius ac posterius, Gabrielis abore, Sumenzilud ave, Peccatorum miserere. So, uh, just that the melody is so beautiful, and uh, the words so beautifully complement that, that melody, uh, really encapsulating uh, everything about Mary during this season. Now, the, the first line of, of this hymn, Alma Redemptoris Mater, Loving Mother of the Redeemer. Okay. In fact, if you remember, those of you, I'm sure you, you who, who are... Marian devotees or scholars, you know that Pope John Paul II wrote an encyclical back in 1987, I believe it was, to, to institute a year of Mary, a Marian year, and that encyclical was Redemptoris Mater, okay, Mother of the Redeemer. <coughs> and um, the line the first line of this hymn, Alma Redemptoris Mater, Loving Mother of the Redeemer. And then the second line, <coughs> Que per via celi portamanis, <coughs> you remain the open gate of heaven. Okay. We go to Jesus through Mary, uh, we get to heaven through Mary in, in this sense. With her motherly assistance, she's the mediatrix of the grace of Christ, 
And um, as Jesus came to us through her, we go to her, through her, I should say, to Jesus. And um, she remains that open gate uh, to heaven. The next line, et stella maris succure cadenti. Okay. Stella maris, stella is star, and maris of the sea, one of the, the medieval titles of Mary. Uh, <clears throat> and in fact, there's a separate hymn called um, Stella Maris, Mary the Star, Mary Star of the Sea, and this kind of incorporates that that idea, the hymn, by referring to Mary as the Star of the Sea. Why is Mary the Star of the Sea? I'll ask Angela. Why do you think, Angela, Mary is called the Star of the Sea? Why do you think she's called that? So, Mary's called well, the Star is, of the Sea. Is why? Mary, is Mary her naming sea? Ocean, a sea, does <coughs> everything to do with her name? Well, Stella Maris, um, Star of the Sea. Why would Mary be called the Star of the Sea? I don't know. Well, um, think about the North Star, if you would. The North Star actually guides sailors, now with instruments, they don't have to use it, but uh, 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 the, the North Star, if you wanted to, to know where you were, on the ocean, you look for the North Star and then get your calculations. So and she's the she's the reference point, and will will guide people safely to to shore. Port. You could say yeah. to port. Yes, so she's the, you you know follow that star, and she's going to get us to safe port. That's the idea. Okay, us who are sukure um, cadenti. Uh, okay, sukure. Uh, the idea of assisting, uh, to succor, okay? Um, the fallen, okay? Cadenti, we who are fallen creatures. Okay, Mary takes care of us. She, she assists us. She succors us who are fallen creatures. She's the star of the sea to guide us to safe port. Surgere qui curat popolo, okay? Um, to rise, the people who, uh, with your care, you, you assist this, we who are fallen creatures, to rise, surgery, to, to rise, okay? Because we're fallen. Um, Mary, with her loving care, does this for us, okay? That's the first verse. I'll just read it in English, okay? Loving Mother of the, of the Redeemer, you who remain the open gate of heaven, and the star of the sea assist a fallen people who strives to rise again. That's, wow. that's the first verse. And the second verse, I'll just read the second verse so we get a context now, okay? You who gave birth to nature's wonderment to your holy creator, virgin before and after, who received that ave from Gabriel's mouth, have mercy on sinners, okay? So, you who gave birth to nature's wonderment, to your holy creator. To que genuisti, you generated, gave birth, uh, you who gave birth uh, to nature's wonderment, natura mirante, okay, tuum sanctum genitorum, um, to uh, your holy creator, okay, 
She brings forth the creator. She's a creature, but this is the wonderment of Mary. Uh, she conceives in her womb and bears her creator. And then the next line in Latin, Virgo prius ac posterius. Okay. Virgo, virgin, prius ac posterius. Do you know what that means, Angela? Prius, think of prior, okay, and posterius, later. Okay. She's a virgin. Always, yes. Before and after. And after, okay. Virgo prius ac posterius. Okay. Virgin before and after. Gabrielis ab ore sumens ilud ave, who received that ave, okay. Sumens taking up that that ilud ave, that ave, ab ore Gabrielis, from the mouth of Gabriel. Okay. So Gabriel utters that Ave. Mary takes that up, or you could say responds to it, okay? Um, and then peccatorum, peccatorum miserere, okay? Um, have mercy, um, miserere, okay? On us sinners, okay? We who are sinners. So, just a beautiful hymn, and uh, as I said, the church sings this hymn during the season of Advent and the whole Christmas season, Epiphany season, which is coming to an end next Tuesday, February 2nd, with the Feast of the Presentation or Purification of Mary, which is also Candlemas Day. I'm going to read a, a little summary of, of this this uh, Alma Redemptoris Mater, okay? Um, the title forms a summary of the entire antiphon, the loving mother of the Redeemer, Alma Redemptoris Mater. Our Lady remains the gate of heaven accessible to all. Okay? We beseech her to have pity on us, to assist us, sucore miserere, okay, through her intercession. We invoke her as the fixed and constant star of the sea. Never fallen from grace? No, she's preserved from any defilement at her conception. And she remains a virgin before and after as the mother of God. By contrast, we, a fallen people, are striving to rise amidst our present difficulties because we are stricken by sin. We acknowledge we are sinners. And here's... Uh, uh, some lines from the encyclical by Pope St. John Paul II, Redem Torres Mater. Okay. And I quote here Pope St. John Paul. The Church takes up the great challenge contained in these words of the Marian Antiphon. That's this hymn, okay, Alma Redem Torres Mater. The people who have fallen yet strive to rise again and the Church addresses both the Redeemer and his mother with the plea, assist us. For she, the Church, sees Mary deeply rooted in humanity's history, in man's eternal vocation according to the providential plan which God has made for him from all eternity. 
The Church sees Mary maternally present and sharing in the many complicated problems which today beset us, the lives of individuals, families, nations. She sees her helping the Christian people in the constant struggle between good and evil to ensure that it does not fall, or if it has fallen, that it rises again. So just a very beautiful description of this motherly activity of the Virgin Mary. She's the mother of the Redeemer, yes, but we have to remember she's our spiritual mother as well. She's our mother in the order of grace, precisely because she's mother of the entire church, head and members. Well, we're... We're going to take a, a little break here after this first 20-minute segment of the Marian Hour. We will be returning in just a couple of minutes to talk about the feast of the presentation and purification of Mary. I'm Ava Burke, a producer here at WSFI and a junior at Carmel Catholic High School. We are hoping to expand WSFI to reach up to 8 million people in the Chicagoland area. To help us reach this goal, please donate to WSFI Catholic Radio. WSFI has been a vital radio station with getting the word out to so many people. Many conversions have happened through WSFI and it has brought countless people back to the church and into the faith. But we cannot expand without your financial help. Please take a moment now to make a donation and go to WSFICatholicRadio.org or mail your check to P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Thank you for your help in making this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity happen. My name is Father Dominic Pelusi. I'm a member of the Priests of the Sacred Heart. I have been ordained for 41 years. St. Paul tells us, how shall they call on Jesus in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe unless they have heard of him? And how can they hear unless there is someone to preach? We have the opportunity for Catholic Radio to do exactly that, to bring the Word of God into our houses, but more importantly, into our hearts. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated.
The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell, back for another segment of the Marian Hour on this uh, January 25th, which is the, or what, it, it is 26th, yes, 26th. It is um, actually the feast of Saints Timothy and Titus, following upon the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, which was yesterday, the 25th of January. Um, I'll just say a word about Saints Timothy and Titus. Uh, they were companions of St. Paul. Timothy was appointed Bishop of Ephesus, where the Virgin Mary had lived. Her house is there. And um, St. Titus was appointed by St. Paul, the Bishop of Crete, that island. Anyway, today we're, we're going to get into uh, a discussion of the feast coming up next week, a feast, you could say, of both Jesus and Mary, the presentation of Jesus in the temple and Mary's purification, both taking place 40 days after Christ's birth, which marks the end of the Christmas-slash-Epiphany season. And... Uh, Actually, before I begin that discussion, I'm going to put in a plug for our second annual Fulton J. Sheen Award Luncheon, which is coming up April 30th of this new year of 2022. That's a Saturday, and that will be taking place at the Lincolnshire Marriott Resort in Lincolnshire, Illinois, and um, we are honoring at this event uh, His Eminence Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, uh, a staunch uh, defender of the faith. Uh, I'm sure all of you who are listeners uh, know, have heard of Cardinal Burke, probably have read his works. Uh, a beautiful writer, a defender of the faith, and you may register online. Uh, just go to WSFI website, and you'll you'll see the second annual Fulton J. Sheen Award luncheon there. Um, I'll just say a few things about it. There's a, a dinner ticket, 150 per person, prior to April 16th, and. There's actually a private reception with Cardinal Burke available beforehand uh, for uh, $100 okay, extra. And you can be a table host, $1,500 per table of 10 if you, if you book it before April 16th. And um, 
there's actually a VIP table host and private reception, which is available for $2,500, okay? Um, we're looking for sponsorships, too. Uh, if, if any people out there are generous, we hope some generous hearts are out there. Um, we have a St. Paul event sponsor. You, this person or persons would underwrite a portion of the cost of the event in the spirit of St. Paul, the great evangelist um, whose conversion we just celebrated two days ago. And this includes seating for four with His Eminence Cardinal Burke, uh, 10 additional admissions to the private reception, uh, one additional VIP table for 10, and uh, the cost of this is $25,000. We're asking generous people to step forward and and um, be a St. Paul event sponsor. Alternatively, there's a venerable Fulton Sheen sponsor for the private reception, and that's at $10,000. Includes seating for two with His Eminence, Cardinal Burke, 10 additional admissions to the private reception, one additional VIP table for 10. And, well, there are the sponsorship Opportunities, two of them I just mentioned, uh, $25,000, $10,000 that are lesser ones too. There's a Mother Angelica Challenge for $7,500, a Sword of St. Michael for $5,000, a Propagator of the Faith for $2,500. Uh, you can read about those on the website, but we are looking for sponsors, and uh, we would greatly appreciate, if, if, appreciate it if uh, some generous donors would sponsor this event. Because this helps to fund WSFI, we expanded our radio listening area from just uh, the very northern tip of Illinois to the southern tip of Wisconsin. Now we're getting up into mid-Wisconsin, down to uh, mid-state Illinois, Indiana, even across the uh, Lake Michigan to uh, the state of Michigan. And it is not an inexpensive venture to take up on this uh, this expanded um, listening area, and that's why we're holding these these major fundraisers. And you can be a participant and contribute to the success of this fundraiser by being a sponsor in one of the ways I've just described, uh, or. At least come yourself to, to register for the the luncheon. Again, this is April 30th, Saturday, April 30th, 2022, at the Lincolnshire Marriott Resort in Lincolnshire, Illinois. Father, have you ever uh, met Cardinal Burke? Oh, yes, many times. I've been on retreat with Cardinal Burke a couple wow. of times, priest wow. retreats. So what an opportunity for someone to sit at his table. Yes. For people to sit with Cardinal Burke. And maybe we'd have to have, especially if it was a parishioner from Our Lady of Mount Carmel, maybe let's yeah, see. Well. Let's see. Would that be, we'll have you there and Patrick McCaskey and who knows who else, but that would be just a tremendous opportunity to sit and talk with him. Yes, yes. And you were the one who came up with the line, Faithward, faithful and stalwart defender of the faith. Well, I think that um, really captures Cardinal Burke's, uh, you could say, uh, apostolic mission and and um, his his wonderful work over over the decades 
in his various capacities as uh, first Bishop of, of uh, La Crosse and then Archbishop of St. Louis. And then um, uh, he was the on the Roman Rota, the head of, of, of the Rota, Apostolic Signatura, and uh, now he's involved with uh, the, the Holy Sepulchre, um, the, the uh, Royal Order, and uh, Cardinal Burke is just a, a very uh, holy man who's who is is a great theologian to boot? I mean, it, you combine those two things; it's it's uh, uh, really a, a blessing for uh, not only our country but for the entire church. So, please, we invite you to come out and hear Cardinal Burke. He will be giving uh, an address at our luncheon, and <coughs> uh, be, you'll have the opportunity to support this noble effort, uh, ongoing effort, of funding WSFI Catholic programming, making Catholic radio available to uh, millions in our listening area, okay, with our expanded listening area. So with that having been said, I'm going to now talk about the upcoming feast next week of the presentation of the baby Jesus in the temple and the purification of Mary. Now, um, to understand <coughs> the, this feast, we have to go back to the Old Testament, to the law of Moses. And first we'll consider it from, from Mary's perspective, okay, the purification. The law of Moses prescribed that the mother of a child was considered legally unclean for 40 days after the birth of a boy. And the Jewish rituals had uh, uh, a lot of, you could say, concern for, for purification. You know, there were ceremonial washings, which you know, the outward washing symbolized an interior cleansing. And, uh, well, on the day of her purification, the mother would go to the temple 40 days after the birth, would be sprinkled with lustral or holy water by the priest who said special prayers for her, and then offered, <coughs> the woman would offer sacrifices, okay, two little sacrifices, a turtle dove and a yearling lamb. But if you were poor, you would offer uh, two turtle doves, and that's actually what uh, Mary offered. That's what St. Luke tells us. Okay, And uh, here's the, the little twist to, um, to the Virgin Mary undergoing this, this ritual of purification. She didn't have to do this. She was not bound by the law. She... Uh, gave birth to Jesus as a virgin. Okay? She conceived him as a virgin. She gave birth as a virgin. It was a miraculous birth. Nothing was torn or ruptured in Mary's body giving birth, a miraculous birth. And she is a virgin ever afterwards. Okay? That's why we call her the ever-Virgin Mary, her perpetual virginity. Something recognized 
in one of the prayers we say at the beginning of Mass, the Confidior, okay, the Ever-Virgin Mary, we refer to her in, in, those, in those terms. Also in the canon, the Roman canon, Mary is referred to as Ever-Virgin. So Mary conceived the, the Word made flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit in her womb and gave birth miraculously. She was not ritually unpure in any sense of the word, but she still undergoes this ritual um, out of humility, okay, because she would have been expected to do this. The other Jews among her at, at the time wouldn't have known that she conceived and gave birth in this miraculous fashion. So, so that's the purification of Mary, one title of the feast, okay? And actually, that's what it's called in the traditional, in the traditional Mass. It's, it's titled the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary on, on February 2nd. In the New Order of the Mass, it is called, the feast is called the, the Presentation of Our Lord, okay? And... Here we can look to the Law of Moses again to get an understanding of, of this feast. Um, the firstborn sons of the Jews had to be consecrated to God. And <clears throat> there is a reason for this. And it was really in memory of the firstborn sons of the Hebrews being spared. And this was in Egypt when they were slaves under Pharaoh. They were slaves for 400 years. And <clears throat> Moses led them out of Egypt. Not before 10 plagues took place. Okay, Remember with Pharaoh, uh, Moses goes and speaking for for God, on behalf of the chosen people, you know, says you have to let the people go and worship. Pharaoh says no, and God starts sending plagues one after another. Okay, there's, there's the water turns to blood. There, there are gnats all over the place. There are locusts. There's lightning that strikes. There's total darkness. Uh, the tenth and final plague is, I'll ask Angela, do you, do you remember what the tenth and final plague is, Angela? It was, it was. Well, this ties into. This ties into why the firstborn sons have to be consecrated among the Jews. Okay. So it must have to do with the death of um, the, the the Egyptians. The tenth and final plague was. The angel of death. Right, went through with the cross. He went through the doors, and they passed over where the lambs. The angel blood of death was. passed over where the where the the, the Hebrews had killed a year old year old male lamb, which symbolizes prefigures Christ. He is the true Lamb of God. They had to kill the lamb, sprinkle its blood on the doorposts of their homes and then eat the flesh, the roasted flesh of the lamb. So the lamb is a type of Christ, that Passover lamb, fulfilled in Jesus, who says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, okay? Well, uh, 
after the angel of death goes through Egypt, passing over the homes of the Israelites, who followed the instructions about the Passover lamb, well, he strikes down the firstborn sons of Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. And this is when Pharaoh says, okay, get out of here. You know, he leaves them. Then he chases them, and they get drowned in the, in the Red Sea. Okay, But okay, uh, this is the reason why the firstborn sons have to be consecrated to God amongst the Jews at the time of Jesus. Okay, And um, just uh, a little history here. Um, the firstborn of the of the Hebrews were always to be the priests, okay? But then while they are in the desert wandering for 40 days, okay, they disobey God and uh, God then prescribed that it was the males in the tribe of Levi that would be the priests. But originally it was the firstborn sons of every Hebrew uh, family were the priests okay, in the family. But it was changed. Uh, this is in the book of Numbers, chapter 8, verses 16. Anyway, not to get off the point too much, okay. Uh, so at the time of Jesus, in, in memory of how the firstborn sons of the Hebrews were spared, okay, at the time of the Passover, uh, the firstborn sons of the Jews had to be brought to the temple. When the mother was being purified, the, 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 the boy would be, the, the firstborn son, would be offered in the temple. And the parents would have to pay five shekels, that was the, the typical amount, okay, uh, to purchase to redeem their sons, to get them back. So they would offer them to God. They belong to God. They're the firstborn sons, symbolizing all those firstborn sons of the Egyptians, the priests that were spared okay, at the time of the Passover in Egypt. And um, they would offer five shekels and receive their child back. And you know, proper, properly speaking, the firstborn son of Mary, the only son of Mary, did not have to go through this ritual. Okay. He, is, he is the firstborn of all creation, as St. Paul tells us, but he did so out of humility. Okay. Now, I'll, I'll take a little break here. We'll get back and discuss more of the Feast of the Purification of the Virgin Mary and the Presentation of Jesus, February 2nd, next week.
Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, my name is Irene Sherapata. My husband Alex and I are volunteers for WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is our family's source of truthful and trustworthy information regarding the Catholic faith, the church, our religion, and state of the world in these trying times. My husband Alex and I are greatly rewarded for our volunteer work at WSFI by working with such lovable and like-minded people and by meeting and hearing firsthand some of our, the most respected, wise, and interesting guest speakers. Its programmings on healing the whole person has helped so many and is truly inspired by God. This radio station is really a school of Catholic thought and source of wisdom. We have learned so much, and our faith and love for God has increased so much that we hope to share it with everyone we meet. We hope and pray that WSFI 88.5 FM would soon reach the entire Chicagoland population. You too can help WSFI bring millions of souls to God. See how you can support their effort by calling WSFI Catholic Radio at 224-206-8455 or online at wsficatholicradio.org for your donation. Thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. Good afternoon. This is Father Dwight Campbell. I am back with the third segment of the Marian Hour. And before I get into a resumption of the discussion of the feast next week, uh, the presentation of Jesus in the temple, purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'm just going to put in a, another quick plug for our WSFI second annual Fulton J. Sheen Award luncheon. We're honoring His Eminence Raymond Cardinal Burke. This is April 30th, Saturday, April 30th, 2022, at the Lincolnshire Marriott Resort in Lincolnshire, Illinois. And this is a major fundraising effort for WSFI. We need a lot of money to keep our programming extended to um, southern mid-Wisconsin, northern Illinois, even down to, you could say, central Illinois, Indiana, and northern Indiana, at least, as well as Michigan. And... You know, Cardinal Burke, uh, uh, a real uh, hero of, of uh, 
the hierarchy, I could say, uh, faithful stalwart defender of the faith, Cardinal Burke. Um, he's the, uh, or was the, the prefect uh, of the Supreme Tribunal of the Apostolic Signatura. You know, I, I said at the last segment, uh, he was the cardinal patron of, of uh, the Holy Sepulchre, the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre. I got that wrong. I'm a Knight of the Holy Sepulchre. Cardinal Burke is the patron of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, another um, military, military order in the Church, and the founder of the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. If any of you have ever been there, uh, a beautiful shrine. And so we're honoring Cardinal Burke, and there are opportunities to contribute, to sponsor, um, in, in a big way, this event, okay, um, there's a Saints Paul event sponsorship for $25,000, underwrites a portion of the, the entire event, okay, and, and also includes uh, seating for four with uh, His Eminence Cardinal Burke. Um, there's a Fulton Sheen a private reception sponsor for $10,000. Uh, there's a Mother Angelica challenge for seventy-five hundred, Sword of Saint Michael for five thousand, Propagator of the Faith for twenty-five hundred. If you'd like to get online at wsfi.org, pardon me, wsfiradio.org, you can read about these sponsorships. We we're calling upon people to be generous and to sponsor this event in a big way, which will help our radio station to continue to broadcast through this multi-state area and reach millions. That's what we want to do. Okay, We want to evangelize as best we can. Anyway, I'm going to return uh, right now to a discussion of the feast that we're celebrating next Tuesday, February 2nd. And it really marks the, the close of the Christmas slash Epiphany season, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Jesus is presented in the temple. Mary is purified. Okay, so uh, we talked about how this has roots in the feast in the in the Old Testament. Um, the woman had to be purified after giving birth to a son. Mary didn't have to undergo this purification, but she does out of humility. And the firstborn sons had to be presented and bought back, redeemed, uh, because... This was a remembrance of the fact that the firstborn sons of every Hebrew family were spared during the Passover when the angel of death went through Egypt, striking down all the firstborn sons. And in addition to, to those two titles for the feast next week, uh, it's also called Candlemas Day. And why is this? Well, here... We turn to the church's ancient liturgy, and <clears throat> we we go back to Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, uh, in the fourth and fifth century. Uh, it was called Candlemas Day, and this is because to celebrate this feast of Jesus being presented in the temple, uh, candles would be carried in by the faithful for the mass. Why was this? Well, this. There's, there's a, uh, a scriptural basis for this as well, okay? And it goes back to the Old Testament prophet Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, 
we read this verse. Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me. The Lord whom I whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So the Lord the people seek is going to come into the temple. Well, that is in fact fulfilled with Jesus, the baby Jesus, being brought into the temple. He is the Lord and our God. He comes into the temple and Jesus, as Simeon says, remember at the, at the presentation, Simeon takes the baby Jesus in his arms and he says, this child will be the rise and the fall of many in Israel and a light to all the nations, all the Gentiles, okay, the nations, the non-Jewish nations. Jesus is the light of the world. Think about on, on the Easter vigil, <clears throat> we light the Easter candle or the Paschal candle. Okay? That's the only light that is brought into the church at the beginning of Mass. The, the priest is chanting this hymn, Christ the light, okay? and everyone lights their candle from the Paschal candle. They pass it down. Christ is the light of the world that has led us out of darkness. Well, back in the 4th century in Jerusalem, the 4th and 5th century, um, the feast was actually called the Feast of Meeting because uh, you know, Jesus and, and Mary, they, uh, with Joseph, you know, they, they meet Simeon and, and Anna in the temple, and as Jesus is the light of the world, okay, he's going to be a light to the nations, as Simeon prophesies. Okay, the faithful would light the candles as a symbol of Jesus. He's the light of the world. He's a light to all the nations, not just the, the Hebrews. Okay. And <clears throat> uh, it's a tradition in the church dating back to, you know, 4th, 5th century in Jerusalem, that candles are blessed on this day. Okay? And uh, at my parishes, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Kenosha, as well as St. Trez of Lisieux in Kenosha, uh, we'll be blessing candles. People can bring their own candles. We'll bless them. We're also blessing the candles for the upcoming year that we will use in, in, the, in the sanctuary, for example. We're blessing all the candles on this day. There's a, there's a special blessing. And then we, people will be processing into the Mass with, with lit candles. Okay, we'll light the candles. And then people can take their candles home. And the idea is you, you keep your candle there and light it uh, and pray, for example, in time of you know, a storm or some uh, other uh, you know, bad weather, you know, tornado, whatever, um, floods, whatever the, the occasion of, of distress a family finds oneself in. Okay, you, you light a candle in the home and, and you pray. Okay? And this is why we keep blessed candles in the home, a beautiful tradition. So, getting back to 
uh, the uh, meaning of this feast, okay? Uh, <clears throat> there's a little conundrum uh, if you read St. Luke's Gospel. And <clears throat> uh, St. Luke's Gospel, uh, St. Luke speaks of, this is uh, chapter 2, uh, of, well, he says, when the day came to purify them according to the law of Moses. Okay. So it's not just Mary. It's purifying them. Who is the them? It's not Joseph. Okay. It is both Mary and Jesus. Now, there was no law of purification for the Son. The Son was redeemed. Okay. So what does this mean? St. Luke tells us when, when the pair had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord. Well, the way we understand this, because this has been a source of, of debate among some theologians and some, some uh, more modernistic uh, interpretations say that, well, St. Luke was just ignorant of, of the law of Moses and the current practice. No, no, no. There's a deeper spiritual significance to this. Okay. Um, St. Luke's reference that they're both purified uh, symbolically, okay, uh, foreshadows, when I say they purified symbolically, Mary didn't need purification either. Of course, Jesus didn't, okay? So Luke's reference to both of them is a foreshadowing of the offering, the mutual offering of both Jesus and Mary on Calvary and the co-suffering of the Blessed Virgin with Jesus, okay? And this is Simeon's prophecy. Simeon takes the child in his arms, the baby Jesus. This child will be the rise and the fall of many in Israel, he says, and then to Mary, and this child will be like a sword that will pierce your soul. And the Greek there is suke, soul. However, um, in the tradition of the church, instead of referring to the sword piercing Mary's soul, uh, a tradition dating back from the early third century from a famous Christian writer called Origen, who substituted heart for soul. And that caught on because heart is, is, is symbolic of the soul and everything that goes on interiorly. So Mary's soul being pierced by a sword of sorrow, this prophecy, uh, Mary's heart being pierced by a sword of sorrow, by the prophecy of Simeon, which was fulfilled, of course, on Calvary, when Mary's at the foot of the cross, co-suffering with Jesus, associating herself, her mind, heart, totally with her son's sacrifice. And this is why the Church calls Mary, this is the Second Vatican Council, the loving associate of Mary, okay, who cooperates 
with Jesus in redeeming us. And this is why Mary is called by another title, co-redemptrix. Co-redemptrix, associate, cooperatrix, all of these words mean the same thing. She was associating herself with the suffering and death of Jesus on the cross in a singular manner as the mother of Jesus, which was prophesied right from the beginning. Okay, She is going to cooperate with Jesus in crushing Satan's head. That's Genesis 3.15. I will put enmities between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed and hers, and she will crush your head. Mary is that woman. And this is why Jesus turns to his mother and says from the cross, Woman, behold your son, referring to John. Mary, because she's cooperating with Jesus in our redemption, she is now our spiritual mother in the order of grace and the channel of all the grace of Christ that comes to us. Now, I'll just read here quickly, because I know we don't have much time. Okay? Here's St. Bernard. Okay? Uh, he's talking about the, the notion of the uh, co-suffering of Mary, the active offering of Mary. So this is what Bernard says. Offer, O consecrated virgin, your son, and present to the Lord the blessed fruit of your womb. Here he's talking about the presentation, okay? Simeon. Offer for the reconciliation of all of us this holy victim, this victim pleasing to God. God, the Father, will most willingly receive this new and most precious victim of whom he himself has said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But the day will come when he will be offered, this is on Calvary, not in the temple, not in Simeon's arms, but outside the city between the arms of the cross. The day will come when he will not be transformed by the blood of another, but when he himself will ransom others by his own blood. Okay, beautiful notion. We fly to thy patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our prayers and our necessities. Whatever deliver us from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. And may Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at WSFIPodbean.com.